0: Hello, and welcome to Come Follow Up.
1: My name is Daniel Becerra, and this is Barbara Morgan Gardner.
0: As scholars and religious educators, we're always searching for ways to help individuals and families apply the scriptures more deeply in their lives.
1: Here on Come Follow Up, we look to enrich your daily studies of the Come Follow Me resource as we discuss life-changing principles and study the words of the prophets.
0: We hope that our dialogue today can inspire you so that through the Spirit, you can uncover truths, experience new insights, and deepen your personal conversion. So we've been studying Ether chapter 12 through 15. And in these chapters, we're going to see that Moroni records Ether's prophecy. He's going to talk about weak things becoming strong unto us.
1: He also prophesies of the establishment of the New Jerusalem and he's cast out from among the people.
0: And due to the great wickedness of the people, the spirit is going to leave them and eventually the Jaredite nation is going to be completely destroyed. Now, there's
1: obviously a lot of things we can talk about in these chapters, and I hope you feel comfortable asking any questions you have about those things. But we're going to focus specifically on three things. Uh, We're going to ask the question, what does it mean to seek Jesus, as Moroni teaches us? We're going to explore the difference between sin and weakness and why understanding that distinction is important. And then we're going to talk about the value of trials. How do we respond to trial in a way that's spiritually productive for us? And to help us in our discussion, we have a very special guest with us today, Dr. Wendy Ulrich. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you. Please come and join us sitting down here.
0: Great to see you, Wendy. Great to
2: see you, too. So fun to be here.
0: So Wendy Ulrich is a licensed psychologist. She has over 25 years of experience in this field. She's an author. She's the founder of 16 Stone Center for Growth and she's also on the Relief Society General Board. So Wendy, that's, that's a lot, and we, <laughs> we, we want you to know that we appreciate all your service and all your great work, and we're looking forward to hearing
2: your thoughts and insights today as well. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to being here. <laughs> this looks like uh, gonna be a great discussion, so. <laughs> uh,
1: so to start off, maybe we can just get a sense for, what, is it, uh, what was it in these chapters that really stood out to you as significant personally? Was there any kind of verse or concept or teaching that you found particularly meaningful for you? Patrick, yeah. So in these chapters, I found the division between the people of the Jaredites really striking, that they had to follow Coriantum or they had to follow Lib. And Ether actually asked them to follow Jesus Christ instead. And I thought that was really important and pertinent to us, that there is a middle ground and we can all relate to this idea of following Jesus Christ as opposed to finding opposition with each other.
0: Especially in our day. Especially in our day. Excellent. Thanks for that.
1: Um, so, as you know, we left off last time with chapter 11, with the wicked Jaredites rejecting God's prophets. Uh, and then chapter 12 opens up with the ministry of the prophet Ether. And Moroni starts telling the story of Ether in verses 1 through 5. And you have this passage in verse 3, that Ether said, He was saying unto them that by faith all things are fulfilled. And this seems to be the impetus for, uh, for Moroni to pause telling the story, and he begins speaking in his own voice. And it's from verse 6 all the way until chapter Uh, Thirteen, that Moroni is kind of riffing off of this idea of the importance of faith. He says, ether is talking about faith. I wanna reflect on that a little bit. And then he concludes in verse 41 saying, and now I would commend you to seek this Jesus of whom the prophets and apostles have written. Okay, so that seems to be the big takeaway that he wants from his discourse on faith. So the question I wanna begin reflecting on with all of us is this question of what does it mean to seek this Jesus? Why is it this Jesus? Why, is it, why isn't it just like seek Jesus? And and what is the role of faith in all of this?
2: So I think there's two different ways that I have seen that I can seek Jesus. And one is learning about him. Like it says, um, the, this Jesus whom the prophets and apostles have written. And then the second part is actually trying to become like him and do the things that he would do.
0: When I hear seek this Jesus, I think um, for me it's, it's not like, hide and seek and when you find him, that's it. It's a process. He has so many qualities and learning all those qualities will help us get to know him and then also apply those to our lives so that we could become more like him.
1: Yeah. yeah. I've noticed when I do that in my life, I start to see Jesus in everything. Um, Cause he is the qualities um, that we are seeking for. So like, for example, when I see people communicating and with love, that is Jesus. So we're, I begin to see Jesus in people and Jesus in nature. Um, and I just think that's cool that you can see Jesus in all aspects of life when you
2: really truly try to seek him. I love what you've said about the qualities of Jesus Christ and the characteristics that he has that kind of draw us to him and make him feel like someone we want to be like. And I, I, I really love the scripture right before the one we were just reading where Moroni says, and then you will know that I have seen Jesus, and then he's gonna tell us what he's like, that he hath talked with me face to face, and that he hath told me in plain humility, even as a man tells another in my own language concerning these things. I don't know about you, but I don't often think of God as being humble. You know, God is like powerful, and he knows everything, and he can do everything, and he's got all this intelligence and goodness, and all these wonderful traits but i love this reminder that god is humble the only the only thing i've ever really noticed jesus saying about himself is i am meek and lowly of heart and that's really comforting to me somehow you know that this is not someone who is trying to distance himself from me with all of his wonderfulness mm-hmm. but trying to draw close to me with humility yeah excellent thanks
1: my formal training is in new testament early christianity and some of my professors they arguably know more about the historical Jesus than any other people I've ever met in my life, but they don't believe in him as a as a as a person who can save them. They believe that there was a guy in the first century who was killed under Pilate. They don't believe that this guy died for our sins. So there's there's different ways of knowing, right? I think we're trying to get at what is the how do we know in a way that's productive?
0: You no, know, President Nelson says that we should we should seek Jesus in every way that we can. So it's studying about him, it's learning about him, it's following him. It's probably doing what you're talking about with your professors who are doing everything they can historically to understand him. It's it's everything we can possibly do to seek Jesus in the way the brother of Jared did. I was looking through this and that word this Jesus stood out to me. And I, I think partially just simply because there's been a lot of confusion here. And these people are about ready to, to lose the Holy Ghost in their lives. And they're seeking after, frankly, it looks like the wrong things. And I I would imagine at this time if they really truly understood Jesus, this Jesus, as is mentioned all throughout Ether chapter 12 and all throughout the entire Book of Mormon, it's the Jesus that, that we know that lives, that the brother of Jared saw. He, he saw him and he saw his, his attributes and he talked to him face to face and he was able to testify of him. The prophets and apostles want us to, to talk about this Jesus Christ that has the ability to save all mankind. It's the Jesus Christ that makes it possible for us to be exalted. It's the Jesus Christ that performed the atonement for all of us, his atonement. It's not just some movie star. It's not It's not just some fictional character. This is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God.
1: So going back to this question of, Uh, What is the value of faith as we try to reach out to Christ? I went through and I asked this question uh, specifically in in chapters 12 and 13, and I made a list of everything that faith seems to help us with. I'm wondering if these speak true to any of your personal experiences. Have you had personal experiences in which faith has helped you to hope for a better world or has led to you to glorify God or has helped you abound in good works? I mean, does this seem true at all with you? Or what else has faith done for you in your own life?
3: So I love how you have uh, leads to performing miracles um, in my life, I feel like, um, on the level of my faith throughout my life, I feel like I have noticed those tender mercies more in my life when I am being faithful, and also miracles that have happened in my own family and with others. I have learned to really be sensitive to that and notice that um, when I have been having that faith, um, especially and especially seeking jesus christ
0: laura when when have you seen a miracle as a result of your faith?
3: We had um, several people in our neighborhood who had cancer. And um, it was kind of overwhelming. In our small little three-street neighborhood, there was um, five, five people that had cancer. Um, we and we saw many miracles. Um, sorry, a dear friend of mine did pass away um, just recently. But um, she was given, um, I think, through the cancer treatment and through the prayers of our neighborhood from the children of the neighborhood and the faith of our neighborhood. Uh, she was given six more months with her family. That's beautiful. I think you're sharing that. I
0: love that you can see the miracle, even though it seems like there was a tragedy that took place, but the miracle was still there. My guess is, as you mentioned before, as we watch the hand of the Lord, uh, he manifests his miracles to us, and I think that's part of the tie-in of faith. Faith allows us to see the miracles as well that Jesus Christ performs. Wendy, do you have some thoughts that you'd like to share with us regarding that testimony?
2: It Brought to mind the scriptures uh, that has been really important in my life about uh, Peter when he is out on the water. He hasn't really met the Savior yet. He's out trying to fish. He's not getting any place and. He sees this man on the shore who says, you know, put your net on the other side. And he brings in this huge load of fish that they can't even, it breaks the nets. They can't even bring it in. And Peter, you can imagine, is overwhelmed. I mean, this is amazing. This, talk about miracles. You know, this is something he's just not seen as a fisherman. And yet his reaction is sort of uh, kind of confusing. You know, what does he do? He goes, he falls down before the Savior. And then he says, depart from me. Leave, go away. And you think, oh, excuse me? What <laughs> you know, why why would you say that? Um, especially if we have been seeking this Jesus all of our lives, and I think Peter had been. He was a he was a faithful man in some way, but he's saying, Depart from me, Lord. Why? Because I am a sinful man. I feel that feeling sometimes of you don't know what you're dealing with here. You don't know you know, <laughs> how, my, how big my weaknesses and my, my shortcomings and my failings and my sins have been. And, and so and maybe you just don't want to deal with me and maybe I don't really belong here with you. But what the Savior says to him is, don't be afraid. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And um, that's a beautiful statement to me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your weakness. Don't be afraid that I'm going to just judge you and shame you and make you miserable. Don't be afraid that it'll be too hard. If you seek me, if you come and you follow me, I'm going to make wonderful things happen in your life. And you're going to have the influence on others that you want to have with people that you love and that you care about as well.
1: And it gets to another question I had is how is your understanding of faith developed over time.
0: I think we have a video that has a question similar to that, maybe we could go to that video. Hi, my name is Gavin Harris, I'm actually from Rexburg, Idaho, I'm going up to school here. As a person that I feel like I do have a lot of faith in Christ and in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I sit here and I wonder how I can increase my faith equal to the brother of Jared's so that I can have miracles like he does. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. What do you think?
2: It's more of a perspective shift. What do you count as a miracle? And as you have more faith in Christ and as you learn more of what He really has said and has promised, then you'll see that you have miracles in your life every day and the faith will just allow you to see them even clearer. That's a beautiful comment. It's sort of like playing peek-a-boo with a little with a little kid. You know, for when you first start, they don't know that ball is still underneath there when you hide it. It's when they see it and then they can't see it over and over again that they begin to get that feeling. Oh, yeah, it's still there even when I can't see it. And I think the Lord is doing some of that with us, too. He's sort of saying, OK, remember, I'm still here. I'm still here. You know, I'm leaving, but I'll be back. And, and so we, we learn to hold on and pull him more inside of us as we go through this process of learning to trust and remember when he's not right right near us in the way that we're we're wanting him to be. This is not just a belief we're trying to strengthen. It's a relationship that we're trying to build. Thank you so much for this conversation. Daniel, thank you for
0: bringing in the idea of Seeking This Jesus. And we've heard a lot of wonderful things about miracles. We've talked about how to increase our faith. We've talked about important things that we can expect through our faith. It's been a great topic. So, Wendy, another part of this chapter in Ether chapter 12 that we see is this idea that Moroni is really struggling. To us, I think we see Moroni as this amazing prophet, and he's just so strong, and he's able, and, you know, we think about the restoration and his role in that, but then in here... He's talking about how weak he feels.
2: Yeah, isn't it fascinating in, in Ether 12, verse 23, the Gentiles are going to mock us because of my weakness in writing. And he says it again in verse 25. We look at our weakness and we stumble. And I fear lest the Gentiles will mock. And the Lord sort of says, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, they will. Fools mock. That's, <laughs> that's fine. You know, they're going to do that. But they will also mourn if they do that. Because my grace is sufficient for the meek. That's a wonderful statement. And this verse, for some reason, grabbed hold of me because I realized Moroni's talking about weakness, but this is not a sin that he's talking about. And I began to think about that and realized there is actually a big difference between sin and weakness. He doesn't need to be forgiven because he's not a good writer. You know, that's not... A sin, that's not a moral failing. So it's helped me to kind of remember, what is a sin? Well, it's a violation of the commandments of God. And we have to sort of know that we're doing it, right? We have to kind of choose to do something wrong. We talk about sin, but but Moroni's not even saying mistakes here. Perfect. Right? So let's get to that. Yeah. So what is a weakness? What would you say, Barbara? What do you think is a weakness? Do you have a word that comes to mind for you? Um, I would probably say inability an inability okay yeah i've used the word limitation it's like something that you don't yet know how to do or that you you can't do as well as you would like this is what the lord has to say to this great prophet about weakness in verse 27 if men come unto me i will show them their weakness thanks you know i really want to know that right <laughs> but he's saying no this is going to help you really i will show you What's your weakness? And I think part of the message there is, I will show you what's your weakness as opposed to your sin. And then this remarkable phrase, I give unto men weakness. Can we imagine the Lord in his wildest moments of you know, revelation ever saying, I give unto men sin? No. So what does he, what's he doing here? I give unto men weakness that they may be humble and my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. Something about being mortal, about being weak, about being in this mortal, broken, fallen condition is necessary for us to be empowered to become like God. And that's an interesting sort of paradox.
0: Wendy's brought up this great point about the difference between between weakness and sin. When have you recognized that your weakness came from the Lord?
1: When our life circumstances change, I think our weaknesses can become more. So I didn't realize that I was an extremely angry and impatient person until I had kids. Uh, before, I was just smooth sailing for really? like 25 Damn. years. I could have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's part of it, too. Sometimes it's in our interactions with other people or, you know, high-stress high stress situations that we realize that, okay, this is something I really need to work on because it lies latent until external circumstances kind of bring it out. Or being married, I realized that, you know, I'm not as uh, compassionate as I need to be or and things like that. I just had never had opportunities before that point to, to realize that that was really a, a struggle for me, so interacting with other people, creating relationships, and coming to God and really, I feel like when we seek out Jesus, we we tend to see more clearly the the gap between who we are and who we need to be, between who he is and who we are. And it's it's in that light, I think, that we really see our own imperfections. And in that sense, coming to Christ, I think, helps us become more aware of our weaknesses.
0: Thank you.
2: I think the world does a really good job at misdirecting what our weaknesses are. Um, Whether you don't have the right amount of finances, whether you don't look a certain way, um, and the Lord would show us what real weakness is, and um, what weakness is not is different. It's okay to be different. That's not a weakness. and In fact, it can be a huge strength, and the Lord wants that and embrace that. And so when you recognize what real weakness is, it's different than sin when you distance yourself and you feel a certain way. When the Lord shows you your weakness, you feel encouraged and empowered to say, okay, I can, I can walk hand in hand with him in this
0: and become closer to him because of it. That's a beautiful comment.
1: Patrick, yeah, you had a comment. Just right along with that, sin distances us from God because it pushes us to do something contrary to his will or contrary to the what is right. And weakness is something given to us by God in order to humble us. Christ says that he gives us our weaknesses so that we may be humble, which is a Christ-like attribute, something that gives us power brings us closer to him.
2: I love that distinction. Satan will try to use our weakness to bring us over to the sin side. He will use our weakness any way he can to say, stay away from the Lord. He doesn't like you. You can't do this. You know, those kinds of things. And the Lord is saying, no, I can turn this into something magnificent. I can do all these things with this that you don't even know I can do. But you have to do two things. Be humble and have faith in me. And then I can make weak things become strong. And he does that in a lot of different ways. Sometimes by showing you the other side of the weakness. Sometimes by helping you gradually learn to improve on it as you make a plan and you grow with it. Sometimes by just leaving it exactly where it is and you learn to be compassionate with other people because they're struggling like you are. Um, I think it's really interesting that in the the next place here, uh, in verse 37, Um, What Moroni is told by the Lord is you have become clean and because you have seen your weakness, you will be made strong to sitting down in the place I have prepared for you in the mansions of my father. I know how to use your weakness to bring you home because it can make you more like me, more humble, more compassionate, less judgmental, more courageous. All of the things that you're trying to learn to be.
0: It's a reminder for me and perhaps for all of us, to be kind and humble and patient with other people as they are trying to come unto the Lord and humbly know their weakness. Sometimes we we label other people's weaknesses as sin when really it's not our responsibility to judge at all. And that person in reality is just simply drawing closer to the Lord and becoming more Christ-like. And if we're not careful, we're the ones sinning while another person is becoming more like Christ. Excellent, thanks.
1: This has been a great discussion about the distinction between sin and weakness and how understanding that distinction can be a very liberating thing for us. Uh, we've been talking about how we can respond to our weaknesses in a way that's productive, so let's continue this a little bit, but um, to speak more broadly about trials in general. Back to the text, the Jaredites ultimately reject the words of Ether, that he flees, he, he, ho- he hides himself in the cavity of a rock, Moroni tells us. Uh, the people devolve into wickedness and end up destroying uh, one another in accordance with Ether's prophecies. And we're told, but that ether is faithful to the end, regardless of uh, all of these things that are horrible, that are happening before him. And the question it raised in my mind is, what do you think uh, prepared him to avoid becoming overwhelmed or losing hope in face of all these trials and afflictions? What was it about him? And, and by extension, what can we do uh, to, to maybe profit even from our trials, not just endure them? Wendy, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: It, it makes me think of a quote I read years ago from uh, Vaclav Haval, who is a playwright and the first president of the Czech Republic. And he talked a lot about hope. And he said, hope is not a prognostication, which I had to kind of look up and think about. It's not a prognosis about things are going to all be fine. What is it then? It's an orientation that no matter how things turn out, they can have meaning. And that was really Thought-provoking to me, how do we find meaning even in these trials in these difficult moments as we as we're able to find meaning, I think that's one of the things that helps us turn a trial into a learning experience, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to serve. It's not just everything's a mess, but how do I as as the brother of Jared did, cry unto the Lord in this situation where nobody can even understand each other anymore things have become chaotic. How do I cry into the Lord and ask him to take me to the promised land?
0: I remember, Wendy, that reminds me of, of my mother when we were um, at the hospital. And it was right before, right before she passed away, just a few months before she passed away. And the doctor had said to her, you know, Sharon, um, you need to go home and enjoy this time with your family. Basically, he was saying, we can't help you anymore. And I remember she just waited for the doctor to leave. And then she looked at us that were in the room and she looked around her and her immediate response with tears coming down her eyes was, what can I learn from this experience? And then in that hospital room, we had a discussion of what we could learn knowing that she only had two months left and was going to die of brain cancer. And it was the last real discussion of significance that I remember having with my mother before she passed away.
2: What a meaningful experience to help you all kind of weave a story together about how we do this as a family, how we do this as individuals, and how can we remember this and pass this to the rising generation to help them remember that resilience and doesn't, doesn't just mean you get over it. It means you learn something from it, and you, you find your deepest values, and you live them in that moment.
3: Laura, I see that your hand raised. So I know it's really hard to find the value in trials. As I was thinking about it, I'm like, "Oh, it's still hard. It's still hard to come to terms with that and find the value, like how your most humble mother said, you know, let's find the reason. Let's find um, what I've learned from this. That's hard, really hard to do. Um, but for me, I know um, with prayer and with faith, that's how you get there, not on your own. You really do need the help from your Heavenly Father. Yeah, thank
0: you so much. This, this has been a great discussion on on the value of trials. And I appreciate, Lori what you've said here, and Wendy as well. Thank you so much for your insights. It's been a great discussion all around today regarding seeking this Jesus and trials and our weaknesses versus sins. Thank you so much for coming today.
1: And thank you to those watching at home, and we're grateful for your comments and your questions via social media. We hope you can join us here in the studio sometime, but if not, um, please tune in next week for Come Follow Up.